Amen. Amen. Before you have a seat, let's give God a praise again for what he's done here today already. You may be seated. Man, I, I am excited to see these young families at first service and second service. And I was able to catch a glimpse of what happened yesterday, what Andrew talked about. The Family Life Center was full of parents and grandparents and friends of these young ones that we dedicated today, saying, I want to partner with them in helping them know Jesus and serve him and, and fall in love with Jesus. Uh, we very much are very focused here, for no, with no apologies, of this next generation. I believe uh, wholeheartedly it's not only the parents' responsibility, it's the church's responsibility to point the youngest people in our midst to Jesus. Amen? And we're going to work very hard at that. And, and we're going to work hard at every generation getting to know Jesus. Uh, we are a church of five generations, and that's beautiful. That's the idea that there can be a 102-year-old setting with a, a two-year-old or an infant, and we are all growing together and growing young because we're in Christ, and, and that's amazing. Another uh, evidence of growing young happened at Superstart this weekend. Uh, Superstart is a, a, a conference through Christ and Youth, and Tiffany and her crew uh, took these fourth and fifth graders over uh, to Harvester Christian Church, and they had the weekend together, spent the night for many of them, first time away from mom and dad. And so if you see any of these kids with these yellow shirts like that one guy has on, uh, they probably went to Superstart this weekend. Just another acknowledgement of the way that we're investing in the the young people of our church, and I want to thank you for helping us do that. Through your generosity, through your prayers, we're able to invest in this next generation, and it matters. We're in this new series, or it's really not that new, but if, if you're here today for baby dedication, or maybe just for the first time in a while, we're in this series called Can I Ask That?, where we're wrestling with some of the life's toughest questions. And it's been difficult so far, uh, but it's been very rewarding. Uh, last week, if you were here, you know it was pretty intense, and some people were concerned about my own well-being this week and got a lot of encouragement. encouragement. Uh, people were like, are you okay? You know, And I'm like, yeah, it's good. One little boy came to me after the, the service over last week, uh, met me in the back in the foyer, and he just came right up to me and says, I've got something for you, Tyson. And he kind of was offering to put out my hand, and it was a dollar bill. And I was like, hey, uh, while um, that I'm very grateful that you're wanting to give that to, to the Lord, um, the offering plates are now in the back, these generosity boxes that you can put that dollar in. Uh, I, I don't take any of that money. He goes, no, this, this is for you. He says, I really want you to know I, this is for you, Tyson. It's not for the church. It's not necessarily for God. I just want you to have it. And I was like, well, that's really nice, but why? He said, because after you were done preaching today, I heard mom and dad talking, and dad leaned over to mom and says, Tyson's got to be the poorest preacher I know. <laughs> I took you on that little ride for a second. And some of you feel that way after last week. I get it. I heard some comments on email. I had the most encouragement and also uh, probably the most disgust from a sermon from last week. But here's what I want to While that was a joke, please understand that. The reality of becoming frustrated with what I say is real, and it could happen today. But we need to be very careful what we say in front of our friends, our families, and especially our children about what I have to say, because some of what I say, a lot of what I say, has nothing to do with my own opinion. It is from God's Word. So if we're mocking uh, some of the things I say, that's fine. But when it translates and we make fun of or we make light of what God's Word says, we're in trouble. So we need to be careful of how we react to what is said today, what is said in prayer in God's Word. If it's my opinion, have at it. But if it's from God's Word, we need to give it the utmost respect. So would you stand with me as I read from God's Word today, from our text for today, to honor it from Genesis chapter 1. 
Here's what the Word of God says. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of, of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Father, give us an ability to see the truth in your word today and apply it to our lives and know how valuable we are in front of you because you've made us in your image. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please be seated. What's interesting about that text, if you just look at this text, God's having a conversation, not with us at first, but now we get to be a part of it. He's having a conversation with himself in the form of the Trinity. You, you know the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God said to us, let us make man in our image. He's talking to Jesus, I believe, and the Holy Spirit. So here's the first thing you need to process uh, as you evaluate your value. You're created in the image of the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God has created us with, with that type of value. This is amazing. This is where identity comes from. Last week we talked about this reality that our world is trying to get our children and even you, no matter how old you are, to think your identity is based on something like this. Your political affiliation, your gender, your sexuality, your income level, who you cheer for. We, the world is trying to get us to think of all these things of who we are other than this reality that we are created in God's image. What an amazing testimony that can give you great confidence today that does your value is in that but here's the question that we're going to answer out of this truth about our identity and our value it's a great question you gave it to us when does life begin i don't know if you've ever thought of that but but when do we begin to have value do these babies that we just dedicated when do they begin to have value when, when did your life begin? If you know these questions well, you often realize pretty quickly that it's connected to a conversation about the sanctity of life. Uh, the, the question of right to life versus pro-choice. If you were here last week, you knew that topics can get pretty tense. But I want you to know, uh, as intense as last week's topic can become and emotional and often tragic and all that, I want you to know today's topic of right to life and, yes, abortion can become as emotional as anything we'll talk about. And I come to this with great respect and, and um, caution today. But before we get started, I want to just acknowledge that I pray that we come to this matter with grace and truth and love. I understand it may bring great emotion, and I've been praying that if you're here today, and the decision or choice of right to life and or abortion is causing you great grief, anxiety, and stress, I pray that you would have peace because I understand many families, many individuals, of people that I'll never know in this room have dealt with this firsthand, and my heart goes out to you. If you're watching online, and, and this is the first maybe uh, sermon you've heard in a long time, you've dived into God's Word, and you're like, I can't believe he's bringing this up. This is the one thing that turns me off from this whole matter. I pray that you would hear today that God wants to give you hope for the future. That you are not condemned because of a choice you made last week or years ago, but we need to make our very best to speak this in uh, grace and truth, and forgiveness is found through Jesus. I also have asked God, starting today, to give this church and you a greater awareness that we must take a stand as God's children to protect the value of life and the unborn. 
Well, I could spend the next 10 minutes saying uh, forgiveness is for all, and that's very true. There must be a point where we come to this realization that as people creating God's image, we must take a stand to protect the image of everyone created in His name and His His value. And we must do our very best not only to celebrate the children uh, dedicated today, but we must do our very best to protect the unborn all over the world. I pray that we understand clearly that our value does not come from people's emotion and love attachment. Well, that has worth. Grandmas and grandpas that are here today, uh, you you love the children that were up here, parents and and family members, but that is not primarily where that child's value comes from. It also does not come from a political agenda. That child's and your value comes from the power of the Almighty God, period. What a great place to start with our value from God himself. And some of you need to hear that today. No, I I believe all of you need to hear this today. God made you with his powerful purpose because he loves you. And that makes you amazingly special just the way you are. You have value. Let's go back to the text, though, and try to understand when does this begin to happen. Uh, Look back with me if you have your Bibles, if you want to grab one in the in your uh, pew or around your chair. It's on page 1. This is the very beginning of God's Word. We're going to look at Genesis 1, starting with verse 28 now. Here's what it says. And God blessed them, he's talking about humans, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. One of the reasons I love baby dedication, the families that are multiplying are living out God's Word. What what a great blessing to be able to multiply and and have an impact on the earth uh, by bringing people to Christ through through procreation. And it also says, subdue the world and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seeds in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heaven and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. If you know uh, the creation story, uh, on the days of creation, God created things, he created things, he said it was good, it was good, it was good. And then when he created us, he said it was very good. What an amazing thing. Uh, the, the, what God has done in us is very good. What a great reminder that you have a, a very amazing part of the creation story, and you're at the highest part of it. We're to subdue everything else under us. And while your calico cat and your canine are cute and your cud-chewing cow are cool, you are the pinnacle of the Creator's creation. Just ponder that next time you're putting value in something else. You're higher than that value of anything else that's ever been made other than your fellow mankind, brothers and sisters in Christ. You know what? This, this term that we know, this high value of creation, is called imago Dei. You may have heard that phrase before. It's a Latin phrase. It simply means to be made in the image of God. That's us. That's you. That's the unborn child that is being considered to be removed from the body of a pregnant mother. That's that woman who's been sold into slavery. It's it's that girl who is uh, 
submitting herself to pornography day after day just to, to get ahead and abused and devalued. If anyone is devalued, they have been made in the image of the Almighty God, and we've got to, we've got to protect that value everywhere we can. It starts with knowing how much you're worth. See, us being created in God's image is what gives us the intellectual, moral, and spiritual capacity that no other part of creation has. It's this idea that we have a heart, mind, and soul that is given to us by God. It gives us the ability to have a relationship with each other. It's why you grandparents love these children so much. Your soul cries. You see their value. It's what gives us the ability to have a relationship with God himself through the Holy Spirit. God has chosen to give us this great creation. It's amazing. You're made in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're more valuable than Grandma was able to express. Think about that. As much as Grandma and Grandpa say they love you, you're, you're, you're even more valuable than, than they told you. You're, you're more valuable than anyone has ever told you in the sense that our language does not create enough worth for how amazing you are. So when does this life start? That's the question. Does it start when the world around us sees us? Does it start when we first make a sound? Does it start when you, when, you, when you first set up or you take a stand for yourself? Some of us have been led to believe it starts when you're 18 or maybe 21. Uh, uh, this month, a lot of you are, are hearing this and it's a lie that your life doesn't start until you find the love of your life. By the way, guys, tomorrow is Valentine's Day, just a little tidbit. But we get caught up in all these things. This is where life begins. This is where life begins. But what does God say? Does it, say, does it start when, when the world says it starts or does it say when God says it starts? Look what the Bible says back in Genesis. This is a passage you probably haven't heard of. In Genesis chapter 5, we see another testimony of, of life starting. How life is transferred from mother and father to a child. Look what it says in Genesis 5. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. We just covered that. God created them male and female and blessed them and called them human. When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him. So he had this image of the father in him. His, in his very image, he named his son Seth. So here, here's the thing I want you to process. When God made humans in his likeness, Adam and Eve at the very beginning... We not only had our physical makeup, but there was a soul and a mind and a spirit put in each of us that came from God. And here's what happens. God is telling us in Genesis 5, when Adam gave birth to this son, he gives us an example here, and Seth was conceived from a living woman and a living man, and new life began, that transfer of life came from a miracle from God. And it was in the image of Adam, who guess who Adam was made in? The image of God. So in conception, the image of God is transferred to us in an amazing miracle that comes from God himself. So I would submit to you, based on this te text alone, that we are transferred from God through Adam to every conception ever happened through the miracle of birth. We are created also in the image of God. And it happens at the moment of conception. There are things transferred to ch our children in that miraculous moment that, that we can hardly begin to understand. But there's no doubt that when a uh, uh, father and mother uh, make a child from two living creatures and that new life begins, there is DNA transferred that cannot be denied genetically and physically. You can look at my boys, the Graber boys. This is a picture from a few years ago. And I guess it could be, I could try to deny it, but these are my sons, all right? You can just kind of see it. 
Now, even as they've grown, they've changed. Sometimes they look more like a Sweden than they look like a Graber. But there's no denying that there's a genetic transfer of information of, of our bodies. In much the same way and more, this scripture is saying, as we transfer genetic makeup to make us who we are, God is transferring his image in every conception, and it happens at conception. And we need to stand up for that reality, that we're made in God's likeness, uh, not so much even from our parents, but from God's gift to us through the Holy Spirit in our soul. David put it this way in Psalms 139. For you created my inmost being. He's talking to God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Go back about 4,000 years. There was no microscope. They didn't understand how how, uh, fertilization took place in conception. But uh, uh, David here is saying, God, you knew me before we could even see me. In the secret place that is at, the, at the, the inner workings of the womb, God knew us. He says, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. David is declaring God saw him even when he was unformed. Where does the value start? When the body starts showing up, when the heart starts beating? Before that, David is declaring, uh, Genesis declared that we transfer this imago day, this God in us at the moment of conception. And God even knew us before that. And I can't explain that, but it's true. It says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God breathed in Adam, and that reality of our soul has been transferred to us all through these years. And it shows. You can see it in the the form of a smile from these children. You can see that they're special. But you can also see it in the intricacies of science staggering, small issues of science. Before we show you this next image, uh, I wonder how many of you ever heard of laminin? Anybody ever heard of laminin? Okay, uh, uh, Bob, uh, no, Bo was t- looking at Bob here, but Bo told me about this last week. I'd heard about this, but didn't really understand it. Laminin, from what I understand, if you're a biologist or uh, very much into just the origins of the universe and our bodies, laminin is a protein that links up with other um, substances and molecules, whatever, and and cells to create the cells that create tissue, to create organs, to create who we are. It is the building block of all that we are. It is the foundation for our bodies having uh, the substance and and their unique qualities and all this. And, And they have recently began to unpack this more and more. And you know what this protein looks like physically when you take it up under a microscope? Go ahead and look at this. Anybody remember what this may look like just a little bit? cross. Thanks for sharing that with me, Bo. Bo in the foyer last week says, hey, this points to God's creativity. Uh, While this may not create much of a case for science, because God could have done that through like uh, uh, any type of structure. He could have built our our cells and our tissue any way he would, but he chose to do this. And I think he he is making a display of a signature saying, uh, even before we had microscopes to see these these, uh, uh, proteins, he's saying, I'm going to put my signature uh, of what I'm all about in the form of this cross and this protein in every single human ever made. And that's true of you. And while that may mean very little to you, I I believe God, in in his humorous way, is saying, I have made each one of you, and you have value. And this speaks to so much in today's world. It applies to hundreds of issues. It gives each of us value, no matter of our 
race, our nationality, our economic background, our gender, our political affiliation, or even who you'll cheer tonight for the Super Bowl. No matter how you categorize yourself in all these different ways, we are all sons and daughters of God, imprinted by God with a soul in this DNA that's amazing. And that gives us all value. And you know what it means for each and every one of you? That you deserve respect and love and dignity, no matter the color of your skin or your, your gender. It, it points the fact that we all need to be honored. And it is this truth that if the church, if we take serious, uh, does amazing things in our society, in our culture. I, I think this truth that we're all created in the image of God is one of the things uh, that totally debunks slavery. Amen? I, I think it's the thing that, that can... Uh, uh, push away slave trafficking, and, and, and these girls that are uh, used and abused for this, they're more viable than that ever uh, permits them to be. And also, if the church takes this truth seriously, that we're creating God's image, will affect and eliminate abortion as we know it. But we've got to stand up. When we take this serious, it affects how we live and how we treat life, especially the unborn. Friends and family, people that maybe I've never met before, when we understand how valuable every person is, it, it changes the way we look at every person's life, especially the unborn, because they can't protect themselves, and they have high value. When Jesus was talking about this kind of concept in the New Testament, listen to his words. In Matthew chapter 25, he says this. He's speaking in a parable. He says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did... For one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So whatever we do for these people that are currently being disregarded, devalued, or dismissed, whatever we do for these people that can't stand up for themselves, whatever we do to love them and serve them and protect them and, and honor their life, we're honoring Jesus. And how are we doing with that? Are we ignoring it or are we, we're taking a stand? Who do you think are the most disregarded and dismissed in our, among us? It may be slightly different for each of us, but what are you doing then for those people that are dismissed? I can't help but think right now of the, the families that are hurting from the tragedies this weekend in Greenville. They have been uh, devalued by, by hatred and by uh, violence, and we need to stand up for them. Amen? But also think of children who are boarded probably in our county every week. And I don't know who they are, but we need to stand up for them as well. I, I believe the unborn children, the unwanted children, the unplanned children of this world, uh, we have developed within this world plans to dismiss them, to devaluate them, to eliminate them, and we have done very little, to be honest. And it's a big deal that we have programs that we think are pretend like they're okay, that their main design is to kill babies that deserve to live, that will never get to hear, I love you, say I love you, take a step, or, or enjoy life at all. And they're eliminated from this world, and it is dead wrong. Shifting gears a little bit here. How many of you know who the who is? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the who. If you're over 40, you're probably thinking of a rock band, right? If you're, under, if you're under 40, you're like, I'm not sure who. In all honesty, I'm not talking about the rock band. I'm talking about the World Health Organization. In the last two years, we've all probably heard about the who at least a couple times, right? Raise your hand if you've heard about the World Health Organization. It, it's a big deal. I honestly didn't pay attention to it much until about two years ago. But our friends at the World Health Organization and the CDC 
have been keeping track of the people that have died from a virus that's going around the world and COVID. And they have recently declared, they've been paying attention to this a lot, that roughly 900,000 people have died of COVID in the last two years. And, and that breaks my heart. That's tragic. Uh, we have, for the, uh, for the most part, the world has done what we can to slow down the virus. Remember, uh, flatten the curve. We've done things to protect ourselves and others. We've done things that, that uh, we've never thought about doing before uh, to, to fight against this death matter. And, and it still has killed 900,000 plus uh, before long and are probably a million people. And we should be upset. In two years, uh, probably within two years and two months, probably a million people die. In, our, in the United States alone. And I pray that you're done with that. I pray that you, you're, you're, you're ready to, to get past this because death on any innocent person is wrong. And as much as we're upset about that, I want to share with you some other data that the CDC has shared. They believe that roughly 600,000 abortions happen every year in the United States that are legal. These are the children that never get a chance to breathe or a chance to play. 600,000 of them. They, they never will, will know uh, the care of someone. Do you know they also believe that another 250,000 are aborted every year illegally? In back door alleys? in bedrooms where there's not a doctor. So if you do the numbers, that's 850,000 children aborted annually in the United States of America. 850,000. That is just a little bit under what has been killed by COVID in the last two years. So if you do the math, 1.7 million babies will die in America by abortion, either legally or illegally, and we're not fed up about it. We curse COVID every chance we get, and I agree with that. But what happens about these children created in the image of God, and we step back and think, well, it'll take care of itself. It's not. And we are called to protect those who are innocent, the least of these. Some of you are thinking, especially online probably right now, maybe if you're new here, you're like, boy, I don't like it when Tyson gets involved in political matters. You know what? I don't either. And this is not a political matter. This is a matter of the Almighty God who by His power gives life to a child at conception and then we kill it. This is not a political matter. This is a matter before God for the church to stand up and love God, love people, and to serve all. That means the unborn. I'm not asking for you to join a political party today. That probably won't help much. I'll say that again. I'm not asking you to join a political party because that will not help very much. I'm not asking you to be an advocate for a law because we can see abortions will happen that are unlawful all the time. What I'm asking you to do is fulfill our mission to love God, love people, and to serve all. Because what's happening is a disgrace. We can make a difference and protect those. Uh, it, is, it is great to celebrate today these ch children that have been born. That's an understatement. It is amazing to celebrate these children but we also have to do our very best to protect those that haven't been born. And in that, we can serve Jesus. But people will argue, Tyson, it's really not up to you. 
And, and I agree, it's not, but we can, we can come alongside women and families that are in hurting. But Tyson, uh, you, you know, here's the argument, that every woman can, should be able to decide what happens to her body. And I agree. Please hear me out on this. Uh, I'm gonna, probably going to throw you a curveball here. But I believe 100% every woman and man should be able to uh, have a, a, a say in what happens to their body. Because it's their body. And they're responsible for that before God. I think in the last year we've seen more than ever that we need the right to do what's done to our body and what we share with our body, what we do in any way with our body. It's all right. But here's the interesting thing. They, people apply that to abortion and say, uh, a woman, uh, we have no right to say what's done to her body. And that's true. But here's the reality. That body that's inside of theirs is not theirs. When, when, when a child is conceived and God uh, and ignites a flame emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, genetically, that body is that child's body and not the woman's body at that point. And while she can control what may come to harm her body, she has no right to take the life of that body that's not hers because it's been given by God. I understand you may need to think about that for a while. But the life of the unborn has its own DNA, its own genetics, its own blood type, and it is its own body. And it, needs, it deserves every right to be honored with life because it's been created in God's image and it deserves respect. Yet in our country, we have growing arguments to do Partha Bursh abortions and late-term abortions. But it doesn't matter when they are. That, that, that body is, is of God. And we need to wake up and serve God by loving Him and serving all. If you're still with me, you're like, okay, what should we do? Because we just can't talk about it. It does very little good, I admit, to talk about this today and not do something. So what do we do? I think we need to join partnerships with people that are already doing something, like the Bond County Pregnancy Support Center. It's right here off of the square. It's a place where uh, uh, girls and young families can go to get advice and help and, and, and support life. It is a great uh, thing within our own community. But what's interesting, from what I've talked to people in uh, these uh, support groups, what's interesting, if you're a student at GU or Greenville High School or even Mulberry Grove, you're not very likely to go down here to the pregnancy center just across uh, from the square, down the street from Joe's Pizza and Subway, and be like, I'm going in there to get help, where everyone can see you. You ever thought of that? It, it should be a private matter. What I love about this, there are other organizations that, that girls and families can go to, specifically Lighthouse Pregnancy Center and Health Services in Vandalia or Hillsboro, and they're doing amazing things. On the screen here is this mobile medical unit that has just been purchased by Lighthouse in Vandalia for over $200,000. People gave amazing amounts of money to have these mobile medical units that will, starting in March, which is next month, by the way, it's amazing, they're going to be going around uh, Fayette, Bond County, in that region with dates they're going to put on social media where girls can go in those places that aren't by colleges or high school and feel safe and, and secure and um, probably a little bit more discreet and to get care to point towards life. Man, I love what they're doing. Because if our girls in this area have to go to East St. Louis, you know what the kind of care they're going to get? and encouragement often to abort and to do away with life. But these people promise to point girls towards an opportunity for life and to point people to people that are willing to foster and adopt. And so we need to be supporting them. I praise God. I want to celebrate. This van has been paid for with an ultrasound unit, and it's going to be fully equipped with the latest uh, modern things of this world to give girls a, an opportunity to see what's growing inside of them and have support and care. 
So I would, I would say in the next month when you start to see this van around our area, pray for them and the girls inside. When maybe there's not a girl around and you see maybe just the driver there or the technician or the doctor, go up to the give, give them a dollar, maybe $20, $100, or a gift card of gas so they can keep this van going. And then pray. We, we need to be doing things, but that's not enough. What else can we do? Get involved with things like the Restore Network. The Restore Network, if you do not know, is a network of Christians coming alongside people who are, who are getting ready to be kind of wards of the state often or in foster care or, or working through adoption. And the Restore Networks uh, puts the church, you and I, in contact with people that need help so their children do not often get divided up and uh, submitted just to the state as a, as a ward of the state. Do you know currently there are 17,000 kids in need of foster care? And Restore Network's goal is to keep them out of that foster care system and back in with their families. Restore Network is amazing. I want you to know the elders and I just entered into a really new agreement with the Restore Network. While we support Restore Network, and there was just a function this weekend at our church, we have entered into an agreement to invest your resources you've given uh, and trusted the elders uh, to use to keep a family together right here in Greenville. That They have been threatened to be separated based on this or that, but we've given them a place to stay, and we've made agreement for a year. We're going to support them, and I pray it goes to a lifetime until this family is full-grown and have families of their own. But I want to thank you for giving us the resources to make that happen, and I ask you to pray for this family, even though I can't tell you anymore that this family would be blessed and have the hope of Jesus because of what Restore Network and we are now doing. Let's praise God for that. That's, I'm encouraged. Maybe you can foster or adopt or talk to a young lady or a young girl who is going through the difficult discussion. Do you know when we don't talk about this, our world just gets awkward and they dismiss this kind of stuff? When we don't talk about this in our families, in sermons, in Sunday school, in conversations, our youngest people are like, we don't know what to do. We're just going to do what the world does and then kind of laugh about it so hope it goes away. Uh, this did not happen in Greenville, but in our local region, I know there was a young man and a young girl who, who had an unwanted pregnancy and they had a, um, a reality that most of the people knew about it. And then uh, just recently, uh, the community of young people surrounding them made light of the fact there was an abortion And we don't say much about it. You're like, I don't know if you should have said that today, Tyson. When we don't speak up, that's the way our world goes. And it should break our hearts. And we need to stay informed. We need to stay in conversation and promoting life. And does that young man and woman, which I do not know, do they need support? Yeah, they do. But who's going to step up around them? I hope it's the church. No matter where they live. We do need to stay informed. Here's another way. The Illinois Family Institute is a great resource for staying informed on this matter. It is not a political website. What it does is it, it evaluates the current laws and things being promoted in Springfield and says what we should be aware of. And I would encourage you to, to Google this and put this on your main newsfeed and check on, the, check on some of the information coming down because our world is moving forward to dismiss life more than save it, and we need to be aware of that. And we can make a difference. We can be a part of saving lives and serving Jesus. And I realize this is intense. 
We could do all the things I've said and more, and if you're still struggling with the fact that maybe you were a part of abortion years ago, you're, you feel guilty and maybe anxious and you feel sick to your stomach, I bring this up not to do that to you. I bring this up now to share with you the hope that is in Jesus again. Before you can ever do any of these things to make others' lives better, you've got to allow yourself to be forgiven. My purpose today is not to continue to put you in pain, but to push you to find hope in Jesus. While I am preparing the church to take a stand against the attack that, uh, on God's children, uh, my heart right now is to declare that no one has outsinned the grace of God through Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen? Can't even hardly get that out. No one has outsinned the grace of God. So if you're here today and you're like, man, Tyson feels like he's beating me up. No, I'm at this point giving you a hope to put this in the past so you can share the hope with others that are hurting. If you're really ready to be set free from whatever sin you have, now is the time so you can help others. So let me go back to this question as I close. When does life begin? I pray you've seen today, it begins at conception, genetically and biologically and even spiritually. But you know where my life began? Not only when Mickey and Gordon Graber conceived me and I was began to have life. My life really began whenever I allowed my life to be reborn in Jesus Christ because I am a sinner that needs saved by grace just like every one of you. Whether you've had an abortion or not, whether, whether you've committed adultery or not, and whether you're addicted to gambling, whatever it may be, whether it's just you've disobeyed your parents, we all need to be saved by the grace of Jesus. If you're dealing with a sin today, you feel anxious and guilty, you need to be made new and have your life begin with Him forever through the rebirth of what we see here in the Scripture. And you can have a hope that changes everything. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word that declares the value of each and every one person here. The, the children that we dedicated, uh, to the grandparents in the room, uh, to every one of us that we have, we have failed you, but you have made us new in Christ. Let us declare that and hold on to that. Lord, I pray that you would give hope and peace to those that are struggling with regret. Maybe past decisions they wish were different, but let us create a future that finds our hope only in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us? This is going to be a song of declaration of a new life. It's a song of celebration. I think it's important today in this heavy topic to not just sing the song and look for a decision, but to sing the song and declare that we have value through him. Let's sing.